Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we welcome Lindsay Dakota, who is one of the co-founders of Naked Sports Innovations to the podcast. You are probably familiar with their running bands, but maybe not as familiar with their vests or the shoe that they have coming out. Also, maybe you saw athletes like Camille Heron and Adam Peterman crossing the finish line at this year's Western States wearing their gear. Anyways, if you are an OG listener of Single Track, you know that our first love on this show is chatting with the entrepreneurs who are building on top of and around the world of trail and ultra running. And yeah, we return to those roots in this episode. Lindsay and I talk about what it's like being a business owner in our sport the opportunities he saw early on to innovate on the existing trail running gear. We talk about the outside influences he brings to our world, general commentary on building and marketing a vision from zero to one, and all sorts of banter around Naked's current and future lines of products. I hope you enjoy. But before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Kodiak Cakes and Inside Tracker. For Kodiak Cakes, use Single Track 15 to get 15% off your next order. For Inside Tracker, go to insidetracker.com backslash single track to get 20% off your order. With Kodiak Cakes, I am super stoked, as you know, about this sponsorship. I have often referenced that I'm just as stoked, maybe more stoked, than Chris Mako when he secured a similar sponsorship with them back in the famous Mako show days. I hope that show returns, by the way. But seriously, if you are like me, your weekend long run is followed up with a big stack of pancakes, and let me tell you, Kodiak tastes great, they're whole grain, they come with extra protein, and if they aren't already, they should be the centerpiece of your post-run pancake situation, because they are for me. But hey, pancakes aren't your thing, they also make great oatmeal, which I have incorporated into my weekday breakfast routine. Also, they're based in Park City, Utah, and there's something super cool about being aligned with a local company. So. Use that promo code SINGLETRACK15 on their website checkout to get 15% off your next order. Second, Inside Tracker. This company is awesome. You get your blood drawn, you answer some lifestyle questions, you upload the data, and they analyze the results and provide an action plan with the most accurate, personalized recommendations about where you can improve when it comes to uh, food and supplements so that you can solve that critical diet part of the training equation. Think of it like having your own personal data-driven nutritionist in an app. Um, so yeah, if you go to insidetracker.com backslash single track, you will use that link to get 20% off your next order. And yeah, I am taking my own inside tracker test later this month. I look forward to sharing the results with all of you just to provide insight into how I personally use their platform to guide my diet and just general food intake and supplement choices so that I can reach those training and racing goals. All right, let's get started. All right, Lindsay Dakota, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hey, Finn, uh, thanks for having me. For those that aren't familiar, and we'll get into it uh, here in a bit, you are one of the co-founders of Naked Sports Innovations. And I think when a lot of folks think of that brand, they think of the belts, but uh, you're also branching out with a shoe line and you have a type of pack that bucks a lot of trends in our sports as well. And I think one other thing I want to say before we get started is we've spent a lot of time talking with athletes in recent months, but the original purpose of this podcast is to tell the stories and shed light on folks like you who are building companies in the sport and you're making your life's work out of uh, just 
enhancing the products that are available for athletes to use and recreators to use. So this is, this is what I love doing the most. And, uh, it's just great to have you on. So thank you. Well, thanks. No, I, I think it's great that you, um, want to address the industry as a whole, uh, because, you know, we can't have one without the other, right? We can't have races without athletes, without equipment providers, without spectators, without all this, this kind of holistic world we live in. Right. So mm. it's, uh, we're all kind of dependent on each other. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. And I'll say like my, my nine to five background is in the software world. And we love to talk about the founder story and uh, how, you know, XYZ people identified certain pain points in the world and, and they built a product and that's how Airbnb started. That's how, you know, Zillow started all this kind of stuff. And I like to take the same approach in our world as well. So can you talk a bit about how you got into the running industry and then also what made you want to be an entrepreneur in this space? Yeah, I mean, I think that probably running comes after the fact that I'm a designer. Um, you know, I, I look back at some of my scrapbooks as a, like a little kid and I was designing some radical stuff back when I was, you know, learning how to draw and sketch and, and things like that. And, and I mean, it's seriously crazy looking back on some of this stuff. So I think I, I'm starting this journey as a designer. Um, it happens that I love to run in the mountains. So, you know, I, it, whatever I do, whatever my passions are, I'm always looking for solutions to make it better. And so when I got into um, the running, I ran cross country as a kid, stopped for a long time, took up alpine ski racing. But when I got back into running and discovered trail running, that this was actually a thing. I, I did it previously, but I had no idea what it was. It was just running. Um, and so, you know, doing that and, and running in the, in the hot, you know, the mountains and the heat of Los mm. Angeles, I started to come up with an idea. Yeah, wow, I could, I could make something that I could actually carry a phone in and some water and some whatever, right? And, and because I just didn't think anything existed at that time. So, of course, you know, being a designer, I'm like, well, geez, maybe we got something here, you know? So, One question I have for you, because I'm also, I'm a relative newcomer to the sport. I've been a trail runner. I've been a runner period for like six years. So this is just as much a learning process for me. When I think about running packs and a lot of the equipment that Naked Sports addresses, I think that there are a lot of established players out there, but thinking about your design background for a second, just how old slash advanced is this part? Is this equipment part of our sport? Like where does naked sports enter into on the timeline of like what's been built over the ages? Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm answering your question correctly, I think we, we've come in at a very advanced stage. Um, I, I can't design anything unless it's absolutely innovative and hasn't done, been done before. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I don't see the passion or the uh, the reason to do it. Um, that's the whole purpose of why I create products. So I think along the timeline of, of where we're at, we still have a long ways to go. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of growth in what we're doing, and especially in the industry as a whole in terms of designing these products. Um, and, and that kind of, that's what excites me. But, um, I, I think, I think, am I answering it correctly? If I, I say that we're advanced along that timeline? 
Well, like thinking about like the history of race vests, for example, how long have they been roughly on the market for? Like, were were they introduced to the trail running population like 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Is it younger than that? You know, I think it's been a gradual. So so here's where the two paths, to use a pun, um, have diverged. So when I started looking at at what I wanted to create, um, I saw running packs, I don't believe that they came from their own sole source. I think they've been a, an evolution of backpacks wow. in general. And I think what's what's happened is in the, the need to go faster and carry not as much, these these items have gotten like more minimal and more minimal. And so what I've done is because I have a background in clothing and apparel, I th- I came from that approach. So I, I, I had, you know, I, I was looking at that, that, backpack world out there on the left side and then the right side was was oh what can we do with apparel what can we do with materials that exist now right what's possible with the materials um so i think that's the approach we took and we ended up creating our own path in doing so so if i'm hearing you correctly and sorry this is all just fascinating to me and i love to like get to the source of things are you saying that the current foundation for most racing vests on the market is the original hiking pack. And because of that, it's, it's not a good foundation and the foundation should be based in like clothing and apparel. It should be built off of that. Well, I mean, I would say it's better, but I, you know, I mean, I think that, I think what current brands are doing, I mean, everybody's producing some amazing stuff and I think they've come a long ways. I think it's just a different approach and, you know, I'm a risk taker and, I'm going to take an approach and perhaps it's going to be a risky thing that, you know, is, is it going to work? Um, but we've proven that it does work on, yeah. on various levels and, and various product uh, uh, that we make. So um, I, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, I would say we're better, but <laughs> I wouldn't say we're better because I mean, you know, there's a lot of great stuff out there and it's just a different thing. You know, it's an evolution of one, one area and path and, and we're just, doing something different and creating our own path, you know? It's cool. I mean, you know, I, I think of other brands in our sports. Speedland is one uh, that yeah. comes to mind. And I know we've talked about them offline, but yeah. it's cool how they're starting to rebrand the shoe as a piece of equipment. And yeah. I don't know if you're taking a similar path with your product line, thinking of it more in terms of clothing and apparel than this like classic through hikers backpack that's been whittled down but it's all very interesting to me like how things get positioned over time and reimagined yeah no it is and 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 especially with our shoe that we're we're launching it's um you know it it had to follow the ethos and the mission of our brand um because everything that we do is all related Mm. so in doing the type of products we do for hydration um, it, it kind of boxed us in, in a sense, as, as to what we could do in footwear. And, and we would, we've created that box, right? So we're happy to be in that box and, and to do this. But, um, and again, you know, in creating this shoe that we have, uh, I've looked elsewhere. You know, as a designer, I'm always looking for cross-pollination of ideas within different, different industries, different segments of industries. So... Um, I mulled on that idea for, for a couple of years. What are some examples? The most obvious example would be the marriage of trail running and football or soccer. And, Talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, it's as an athlete, you know, I can appreciate um, 
uh, high level sports. And, you know, I, I, looking at soccer players and, and or football players in Europe, as they're called, um, I mean, I see these amazing athletes, right? I mean, if you've ever seen, the, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, this guy's a ridiculous specimen of a human being. And, and to watch these guys run, sprint down a field, um, stop like on a dime and changes in lateral foot movement and, and watching this sort of dance like thing they do with their feet and the ball is just insane. It's, it's so inspirational. And I thought, well, why couldn't we combine those aspects to trail running? Because, you know, you're descending on a, on a mountainous course through shale, through rocks, twigs, you know, we're doing our own little dance as well. And, you know, the results of, of slipping or tripping are, be kind of painful so um so i thought this was the perfect marriage of 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 a shoe that nobody's ever ventured before now it obviously has prevented uh, or has presented some problems um you know i could have made it easier myself by doing something with laces but but uh i i love the idea of laceless um you know we've seen it before in athleisure um, our products in hydration don't have buckles or straps. There's no means of tightening. It's all based on the design and the engineering and the materials. So that's kind of the, the where I wanted to live with this shoe. I do want to have a much deeper conversation about all the elements of your product line uh, later in this conversation. I tend to get excited and get all the place. But I do I do want to come back to just your beginnings as an entrepreneur this sport is starting to grow at a pretty rapid pace. And because of that, there's more opportunities to, as I've used the phrase, make it your life's work. But, you know, Naked has been around for a bit now. And I'm curious, what's in your DNA that makes you want to take the business risk of starting a company when there's already like pretty firmly entrenched big brands in the sport? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if I thought about it for for too long, I probably never would have gotten this business because, you know, you're sitting there facing these amazing giants and, and brands that I admired growing up, like the North Face. And, you know, in Alpine ski racing, I skied for Solomon and, um, and brands like this. And, and, but, you know, when you, you come across an idea and, and you get your teeth into it, you just, I just go after it with, with a passion. And, um, and my co-founder, who's my younger brother, I mean, we've always been somewhat of, of outliers and risk takers, and we don't, we never ask, you know, why, why can't we do it? We just say, why, you know, let's do it. Forget about why we can't do it. There's a million reasons why you can't. Um, Self doubt being one of our biggest enemies, you know, as humans. But, um, you know, ever since I was a kid in design, and you know, my brother and I, who we co-founded a skateboard brand, and we produced some amazing champions on our boards, and. And, uh, you know, so we've been up been entrepreneurs from, from a very young age. And I think it comes down to, we just want to work for ourselves mm. and we want to do cool things. So right on. Things. Well, I feel like every single entrepreneur out there identifies a pretty gaping or self-evident opportunity to stake out a claim in the market. And I know we've been talking about this a little bit and how you think about cross-pollination and stuff, but where do you see the biggest opportunity in our sport as, as an apparel slash equipment brand? I think there's still a lot more to be, or the story to be told of footwear. Um, I think that with our new shoe, we're going to, we're going to open up the door, you know, a lot wider for innovation. I think that 
one of the primary reasons we we focused on um, trail, you know, because we we make products for a lot of different types of endurance sports. Um, our you know our, the original DNA, of course, is trail, but um, we felt that there was a lack of innovation, so to speak, in trail. Mm. You know, we we felt that this has been a slow kind of evolution along, like we talked about the backpack type evolution. Um, the same, I feel the same way with footwear. I feel like we've kind of been whittling it down from hiking boots, getting lighter and more minimal and, and that sort of thing. So I see that sort of evolution. Um, but um, I, I think it's, uh, I think there's a lot of innovation to be, to be, to be had in this, in this sport. This is kind of a philosophical question, but do you think that a single brand is capable of pulling an entire industry in a direction, in a particular direction, or uh, in the case of our sport right now, do you think there are a couple brands that might be ultimately responsible for uh, spotting some trends, making some bets and, you know, let's say in 2025 or 2030, the industry is looking a lot different than it does now? Yes, I think absolutely a brand can do it. And even a smaller brand. Um, you know, I think it ebbs and flows between brands. You know, you'll have a super strong campaign or a, a success of 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 competitors. And, and I think of like the Solomon Killian or Killian Jornet kind of partnership. I think that they've been responsible for a lot of, of change and, and growth in the industry. Um, and it's taken a whole team of people from their designers to, to the fans of Killian to Killian himself and, you know, his relationship with Emily and, and, mm. and people like that. And I, and I think that that takes it into a direction and I think that will taper off. I think we're in the beginnings of that. Um, and we'll start to see other brands emerge and other innovation come up. And, um, and you know, speaking for us, I think we'll keep focusing on what we do, which is creating absolutely new types of products for, the, for now and for the future. And I think that we will influence. I, we already, I already know that we've influenced products because when we created the first performing, high-performance um, running band, as we call ours, there was nothing else on the market. You know, and I, the beginnings and the early days, I shipped our early running bands to other other companies and other brands. And, um, you know, consequently, every major brand now has their own version. And some are very, very close to ours. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. I, I, I've already, I, I see designers from other brands snooping around our booths at trade shows. I have an order for a pair of our shoes right now. They're going to maybe be shipped to a major brand in Europe. Um, so yeah, I think that, that regardless of size, if your ideas are, are original and good and proven and, and accepting by athletes and, and, you know, professional and otherwise, uh, you're going to see, you're going to see brands influencing other brands that way. One of the thing I wonder about, and again, this is like just thinking about like the economics of a startup and trying to gain traction. How do you think about brands seeing what you're doing it's incredibly innovative it's resonating with runners i mean i just tried to order a band the other day and like there's a wait list like you guys are selling out it's crazy um yeah. which is good i mean it's, it's a good problem to have but how do you think about these brands coming in saying we're just gonna copy and paste that into our own product line and use their built-in audience and history to just like you know muscle you out of the market yeah, it's always interesting to me, you know, uh, and it's a, it's a question I even ask all the time. It's like, 
you know, I'm thinking to myself of the, these big brands that have these massive departments because I worked at some big design uh, apparel houses in New York. Yeah. And, you know, I, I see what the, the, the volume of designers that they have and the amounts of money that they're making. And all of that still can't produce original ideas. It's fascinating to me that another brand will buy one of our products, sometimes hidden but but quite often openly and you know they can say well we're just doing to compare and see what our where we stand in the market but i really i mean i know what they're really doing but it shocks me that you're going to pay a designer one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to go and buy another brand's product and knock it off like it blows my mind yeah it's like where's the originality where's yeah some i guess some companies just aren't interested in creating new products (laughs) it's just and, you know, and by the way, you know, in early days, it, it did bother me a lot. Yeah. Um, but the, the whole focus for us is just to keep building the best, most innovative products and keep improving them. And time after time, again, you know, we're seeing athletes try other products. They come and they buy ours. I mean, you know, I've, I've had athletes that are the best in the world buy our products mm. and wear them to great success. Mm. In fact, they're even sponsored by other brands. So, you know, we're doing something right. Yeah. Well, it, it it's amazing how quickly uh, things change because in all, all, I'm not intentionally doing this, but it's amazing. Like with Speedland, for example, they put a $400 shoe in the market and it seems like overnight from a viewer's perspective, it gave the rest of the market permission to launch like $250 shoes. Like uh, overnight, the price of like their top end shoes goes up by like a hundred bucks. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, and I, there's another brand out of Sweden that, um, that they Norda. have. Nord uh, Nord is a Canadian uh, company. Oh, they're Canadian. You're right. Canadian. Sorry. Craft. Um, craft. They've got some expensive shoes. Um, you know, they're crafts, a premium brand. So I, I get that the materials that they're using are of premium quality but i think a lot of the price increase we're seeing is just the, the economics of the world right now shipping delays in shipping material costs high performance shoes let's face it are not super eco-friendly so they're using petroleum products we know what the price of petroleum is at right now a lot of that is just pure economics um you know and and you know we do get the question you know our shoe is going to retail for 290 dollars that's at the high end. Um, but like you said, you know, we're seeing $180 shoes in 2021 jumping up to 220. Right. So it's, it, and a lot of that, like I said, is because of the economics, but, yeah. um, but you know, I, I think about that and I've thought about that a lot, you know, it's, we're using the best materials we can possibly use. You know, we have a partnership with Vibram. They're our outsole partner. Um, that's a very expensive component, but you know, we're buying 80 plus years of technology. It's proven technology, and that's something we can pass off to the consumer and assure them that they are going to get the best products, that they are not going to slip and hurt themselves on a descent on a rock or, a, you know, a twig or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's it's they're, they are getting expensive, but, you know, it's like it, I kind of chuckle a little bit because we have no problem dropping $800 on a beautiful watch right that you know counts our laps it counts our elevation and 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 everything else but you know if you, if you think about what's the most important thing for a runner mm. you know, it's a pair of shoes mm. and but but everybody bulks at a higher price for a good pair of shoes yeah you know we have to kind of reshift our thinking i think a little bit and, and prioritize you know what's really important as you run 
One more question, then I, I do want to get to to the product line because there's a lot I want to talk about there. My personal background, before I got into trail running, I was a thru-hiker. And one thing I noticed about the thru-hiking world, just from an industry standpoint, there was a much larger, thriving cottage industry of brands that existed compared to the trail running world. So like a couple that come to mind, Z-Packs, they might be a lot bigger than they were then. Gossamer Gear, Mountain Laurel Designs, Feathered Friends. Again, they might all be a bit bigger now, but they were super like niche and small then. I don't see that same like cottage industry existing in trail running. I could be wrong, but the reason I ask all that is like, what is in your experience, the zero to one for getting any type of gear or trail brand off the ground in our sport? That's a good question. Um, I I think first you have to have um, founders in the company that are super passionate with what they're creating and won't, won't take a no for an answer, have really genuinely come up with a, uh, a, a reason to make that product, um, that there's, a, there's a, a void that needs to be filled with that, um, and, and then just work on it, you know, and make really, really good products. I think that the brands that you've talked about are probably making some of the best stuff in their segment. And I, I think it's just important that, that the small brands, you know, it, again, it, it, it's easy to just get crushed uh, um, emotionally or physically by large brands um, because it is scary. You know, you see these, these companies and the, the budgets that they have and, and, you know, you could easily go, well, yeah, that brand's going to just crush us with one ad. You, you can't think like that. You have yeah. to just absolutely believe in your product and do whatever it takes to get it to, to where you, you want to see your brand, you know? Um, I, I think it comes, a lot of it comes down to grit. There there's, I, I've wanted to quit this business 10 times a day. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. And as a designer, you know, you you're the time to design gets smaller and you're constantly putting out brush fires or you're, you know, doing a quick pivot because, you can't get your goods shipped out of the country. It's made, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot, a lot to the business to discourage you. And I think good brands make good products and they just stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. As a founder of, as a co-founder of this company, what does a typical day look like for you? And I know you have to wear so many hats, so things change, yeah. but like, what did yesterday look like for you, for example? Um, yesterday started out better than, to, than yesterday ended. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've had our usual experiences with, with COVID and, and people calling out sick. And, you know, uh, we're a small company. I mean, we have about seven full-time employees. So I, I'm still wearing many, many hats. We're growing and, and we're, we're, we're expanding. And, you know, we will have more people on, on board. And next year is going to look drastically different than this year. Um, but uh, it's... I guess maybe that's part of the fun of it too, right? It's the adventure. It's the unknowable outcome. Um, and I get here in the morning, you know, I try to get here early and I, I spend time in my office in front of all my books and I'm just, I'm daydreaming, right? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, what's, what are the possibilities of today? I mean, it sounds corny, right? But it's like you come in in the morning and like, man, it's a clean slate. You know, there's some carryover from the disasters from the day before, but you know, maybe, maybe I'll be vacuuming, you know, maybe it'll be, oh, I got this cool idea, you know, I'm going to work on this. Or it's like, 
oh, you know, I need to find a new factory or, or whatever. So it's, it's, there is no typical day. Cool. Really. Well, one comment, I was watching the Western States 100, I guess it's three weeks ago now. And yeah. this seemed significant to me. Like Adam Peterman was wearing a naked belt. Scott Trayer was wearing a naked vest, I think. Camille. He was, well, yeah. He was wearing a vest and a, a band. Vest and a band and Camille Heron as well. And again, that's just three athletes. I personally think it's a big deal when whoever makes it into that top 10 crossing the finish line has any gear on. Like I think any fan of the sport is paying attention. I had this debate on Twitter a couple of days ago and I've learned since then that nobody wants to admit that they've succumbed to subliminal marketing or that type of like very basic brand awareness. But I think it's a big deal. So has that been a, a pretty uh, textbook marketing strategy for you? It's just to put the product in like the hands of the best athletes in our sport and use that as a driver for adoption? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could say I could put our products in the hands of the professionals, you know, and the big guys and the the, 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 the that are winning these races. It, it turns out that these people are buying our products. You know, I think it was two years ago at Western, yeah. we had three in the top four men wearing our products. None of them were sponsored. And, you know, I've, I've talked to 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 Jim Walmsley um, in the past and and you know he he loves our products um, you know I can't I can't sponsor him at this point uh, you know I, of course I'd like to you know we have some terrific athletes on the roster um, but it's it really is satisfying to see guys like Adam come in and 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 you know even and I don't know if it's on purpose or it's accidental but you know he has a shirt tucked in you know, the band. And, you know, when I run, I wear my, my band underneath my shirt. So I'd be a terrible athlete showcasing the product. And I don't know if that's on purpose or, or, or what, but, uh, you know, obviously we're super grateful in those, those situations. Um, athletes are, you know, it's using the old adage, you know, win on Sunday, sell on Monday type thing. Um, I think the climate for sponsorship, I think, in my opinion, that the, the, it's changing. The demographics of sponsored athletes, so to speak, are changing. Um, we obviously need more diversity and uh, inclusivity. Um, we're seeing plus-size athletes that, that are performing at their absolute best. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and um, it is satisfying seeing our products on the top of the podium, absolutely. But I think the future uh, is not just that. I want to talk about that changing, the changing demographics of the sponsorship landscape yeah. more in just a second. But one other question, just to go back to getting the product in the hands of athletes. My understanding is that all of these major brands, so like Ultra, Solomon, Hoka, La Sportiva, et cetera, they're not just now requiring their athletes to wear the shoes, but they're like vertically integrating right head to toe. Like they want you wearing some sort of pack they make some sort of shirt, like head to toe in their gear. So I guess it's more of a comment. It's impressive that despite those forces, there are still athletes that are like finding a way to put naked equipment on their yeah. bodies. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I mean, in the past they've, they've, you know, taken a Sharpie and blacked out the logos and things like that. <laughs> um, you know, that's a little frustrating, but you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it's proof of what we're doing and that's tremendously gratis gratifying and, and, assuring that we're on the right path um yeah it's 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 a funny thing but um uh you know that's that's the way it goes and 
you know. So, uh, you know, the thing with the, the and, and it's a funny thing that just quickly, um, you, you mentioned about the vertical integration. And, and of course, a lot of the, the shoe brands, they're, they're, at the, they're at the pinnacle of the industry, right? They're the big dogs in the industry. And then you kind of go down through apparel and you end up with hydration. Then you end up with nutrition, that sort of thing, sort of this hierarchy. And, um, you know, when we started to think about a shoe, we're just like, you know, yeah, you know, we, we need to get we need to make shoes because because that's the only way we're going to get these top people to be to wear our other products. Right. And we've been approached by some other major uh, brands to do collabs mm-hmm. in terms of providing uh, products uh, like hydration products for those footwear brands. But we always saw it more as a, a win for them and less so for us. You know, we're in, we're interested in opening up our own doors uh, as opposed to kind of following on the coattails of another brand. And um, I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's ego. Maybe it's just wanting to control our path and destiny, you know, so to speak. Um, but yeah, that's, that's part of it. Tell me more about the changing demographics of sponsorship and how Naked is thinking about investing in that space. Yeah, well, you know, originally we, we as a super small brand, I mean, seriously, like two people, you know, we were we were looking for 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 big athletes. You know, we we landed on Gediminas Grinius from Lithuania, who was mm. uh, I think he was 2016 world champion. He's he was a, a big guy at that time, that 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 time, and you know, he's he's gone on to be even bigger than what he's done. He's a character. He's such a big part of the industry. Um, really cool guy. He's been absolutely faithful with us for, for our whole journey. And, and that definitely helped us, you know, as we grow though, and, and with very little dollars to spend on marketing and we've had to be very, um, gorilla like and careful and, and, you know, how do, how we grow the brand through this way and stuff. But, you know, we, we've, we found some very interesting ways and, um, and you, you, we see it with all the other brands, but, but for us, it's important that we address everybody. And, um, you know, we've, we've grown now to, to, um, to, to be a member in the Outsiders Network, which is a, um, a, a marketing agency up in Canada, which is solely to uh, get, um, pe- uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the gay community, the, the African-American community, the Latino, mm. anybody that's considered outside of the so-called white world. Sure. Right? Marginalized. Yeah, yeah, and 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 get these amazing talents together, whether it's filmmakers, photographers, mm. models, and so we become a a member of them to help support that, and we um we do some things, and I, I feel a little bit weird about mentioning it because I this is something that we just truly it's in it's in our in our hearts, and our, and we really we don't do it as because it's a brand thing or anything else like that, but we support um, the Native Women's Running Team, um, which is a group of Navajo women. Um, and, and various other uh, indigenous um, nations around the country. Um, and we support them in, in a number of different ways, but we keep it very much on the low, low down. It's, we don't publicize it or whatever. The only visible means of support would be they, that they wear our products sometimes in races. Mm-hmm. But, um, and this is a group of women that are just phenomenal, um, led by this incredible woman named Verna Vokler. Um, she's a, a, a Navajo um, runner. She's um you know, she's running 100 milers now. It's insane what she's doing. And, and is such a strong vocal leader for, for this community, um, as well as we sponsor another Navajo runner named Brandon Dugai, who's a Hoka athlete. Um, you know, we, 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 we want to support people that really have 
a voice. Um, and it's not just as necessarily about running. Maybe running is an aspect of it or, or it's a vehicle in which to to promote their cause or to, to, to you know, their whatever it is that they're doing. Um, you know, Brandon new guy with his clean water project, things like that. Those things really gravitate, gravitate towards us um, and uh, mean something to us and not just in a way to promote the brand. Uh, That's that, cool. I, yeah. I think we see, we're going to see, we're seeing that now we see that across the board and it's just the right thing to do. We, mm. we, we have to do it. Everybody's equal and we just need to make sure that they, they, they all rise to this occasion and be, and, and share their voice. No, I appreciate that. And a lot of those names in, in the group, those are new to me and I think to a lot of the audience. So we'll make sure to link to all of those in the show notes. That's super cool. That'd be awesome. Um, all right. I promised I would finally get around to talking about the product line. I think most listeners, they know the belt. The belt has been somewhat of a staple in our community for a couple of years now. They're less familiar with the vest and I think even fewer know about the shoe. So Actually, can we talk about the vest first? What makes this vest unique? And it, it does look a little funky, like especially with like water bottle placement and stuff. So talk about uh, why you designed it the way you did and what performance benefits you get. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you know, of course, we, we came out with the running band and it was performing beautifully. I mean, look, you can, wear, you can run Western States 100 with just a running band. I mean, that's an amazing testament to the product. Um, you know, apart from the various uh, reasons why it works, you know, you can feel it with ice though, which can be a cooling effect. Mm. So that whole, that whole DNA and that running band is in our vests as well. And again, it's, we were coming from not the backpack evolution, but from an apparel um, uh, segment. And um, it acts like an exoskeleton. Um, it's a very complex um, engineering process to make it fit because it basically has a zipper, but there's no other means of, of tightening or loosening it. It's supposed to fit the way it's supposed to fit as soon as you put it on. Um, by doing the, the design, the way we've come up with it like that, it has tremendous capacity. You know, most, if not all traditional hydration packs, you can put two flasks in the front. And with ours, you can put four, then you can put them in the back and we've, we've uh, made a drink tube that screws onto our flasks and turns them into like little mini micro reservoirs. So you can really manage your intake on your fluids and things like that. You're not locked into a big um, uh, uh, a reservoir. And it all boils down to putting on something that doesn't bounce, that is very minimal, that it stays with your body. You don't, you know, it's like, the name naked, right? The reason we came up with the name naked is, is because, so when you put our products on, you want to feel like you're not wearing anything at all. And so the design process, process has to meet that criteria. And that can only be done in our vests by the materials we use, the way it's designed and engineered mm -hmm. and the way it feels when you're running. You know, we want people when they're out running or cross country skiing or mountain biking, whatever sport that they're using our products in is to be focused on their activity, not on their gear, right? They don't want to be worried or thinking about their gear. And, and, and that's, that's the, 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 that's the answer we always uh, give to the question of why we're designing this product. What's it for? How come, and this is a basic question, but for some reason it just came to mind. I'm thinking of like the bounce in a lot of these vests and um, you know, a lot of times they, a lot of these brands, they revert to like those clips or, those strings that you can latch on to, to keep the vest centered on your chest. Yes. How come, how come zippers aren't a thing? I, you know, 
I mean, I guess maybe to some people that zippers don't don't work or they're not as effective or whatever. I think you can't just attach a zipper to a product and expect it to be better or to make it work as well as the next one. I think it has to be a whole approach. You know, you have to think of the design as a whole pro- approach and what's the problem it's going to it's going to satisfy. Um, mm. You know, it, it's and again, it's it's thinking out of the box, right? I mean, you, you put on a traditional hydration vest with a couple of bungee cords across the front or a couple of buckles or whatever. Now we're still getting back to traditional backpacks. It, it's still this. It's still part of that evolution. So it, it's you know we're seeing more and more now since we came out with ours. We're seeing more more vests with zippers, but um, you know you have to use the right zipper. It has to have a semi lock yeah. pull on it. You know all these other things. So. Um, I don't know. It seems to work for hours. Cool. Let's talk about the shoe. I think one interesting thing you said earlier was that you've had opportunities to do collaborations with brands, but you tend to like the idea of just leading the charge yourself and owning more of the process and in the line. So how long has making a shoe been on your radar for? I would say it's been on the radar for about two and a half years. Um, you know, a big part of it is walking around with a shoe idea in my head and, you know, mulling that over. It's, it's kind of like when you're writing a book, sometimes you'll, you know, it takes you two years to write the book and then, then six months or three months to put it to paper on the computer. Right. Um, it's, it's kind of that kind of process. And, you know, and you have, you have these struggles, is it going to work? Is it a stupid idea? Is it, is it possible? You know, and then, you know, six months go by and then you start to see breakthroughs in tech technique or uh, technology and, and things. And you go, oh, OK, that's cool. That's going to that would help, you know, the process. And and so it's it kind of was in my head for about two years, two and a half years, uh, you know, two and a half, probably when we started to get down to business and really start to to design the shoe. So it's, it was some time. Are you going out? and uh, trying to recruit talent from other brands to come in and make this shoe or were you utilizing the talents of people that already existed in the company? You know, well, uh, initially, so as a designer and the lead designer, you know, the idea is start with me and um, I am not really one to poach from other companies. Um, a, I wouldn't be able to afford them. <laughs> uh, and B, I, I'm, I'm kind of more interested in people that, have a, a greater knowledge of design. Um, I'm talking to a designer now in Germany and this guy is, uh, he designs, he's designed toasters for major brands. He's designed apparel. He's designed footwear. You know, he can bring stuff to, to the project that is so out of the box. Right. And that's what I want. I want someone to really push and, and pull me and my ideas and, 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 you know, again, go, you know, is, here's a really stupid idea. And he can go or she can go, no, man, this is awesome. Let's pull this idea from over here and let's do this. I think that, you know, with all due respect to the people that are in the industry already, I think that they're sort of locked into a, a narrative um, that yeah, they could do a great job, but they're they're not going to push the envelope. I don't believe, in terms of where we're at, um, I, I would I would hope that that and expect that there are, but but I'm more interested in the people that can you know bring something from a whole different industry. 
what makes people hesitant to push the envelope in these more established companies? Because it's it's a weird, I don't know if catch 22 is the right phrase, but I feel like what got a brand to prominence was their willingness to risk with innovation. And then, so it seems weird that once you do that to be successful, you would then rest on those laurels knowing that like the formula is to keep innovating. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's easy at the beginning, right. To take risks. And then you, 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 you get on more responsibility. You take on some shareholders perhaps, and you then, then, you know, you can, then the pressure starts to mount. Right. And then, then there's more and more people involved and, and then the chain of command and, you know, you, then you're looking at a committee and it's like, well, you know, I got the shoe idea, but you know, we're going to have to take three years to develop it. You know, we, 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 we took 11 months to develop our shoe, mm. and, uh, but we have a small team and we have an incredibly innovative team and, and experts. And, um, you know, we just came across these people by throwing caution to the wind and, and cold calling, you know, uh, people that you just wouldn't, wouldn't ever necessarily cold call. And, but that's kind of how we operate. You know, we, uh, we're risk takers and we don't care if they say no, we'll just go to the next person until they say yes. Right. And, um, I think that's, that's the book, you know, again, I think I just go back to, you know, to doubt, you know, yeah. doubt kills more dreams than anything. And it's, it's so sad. I mean, it's, you know, maybe theory of fear of failure, but there's a, obviously there's a whole, uh, world of reasons why you may not do a product a certain way and, you know, things like that. But, um, yeah, we, <laughs> we just keep doing what we do. That's a great line. The doubt killing dreams. We might have to use that in promotion for this episode. Uh, so you have one model of shoe out right now, and I'm yeah. curious, you know, and we have a lot of shoe heads in the audience and I actually, I asked a couple of folks, uh, you know, we're having Lindsay on the pod or what are some things you want to ask him? And this was the most common question. And is there a type of ideal terrain or a race that you had in mind when you were designing this first model? Of the shoe? Uh, yeah. You know, so we started with the trail shoe because we felt that there was a dearth of innovation in trail. You know, we don't want to go to head to head with the, the Nikes and the, the Adidas of the world in, in road running. I mean, that's, you know, you need, you need to come, you know, ready to, you know, to fight in that world. And we'll do that. But what we really felt there's some amazing stuff uh, uh, that could be done in trail. And, and it was like my thoughts of, of marrying, you know, soccer with, with trail running. Um, so, my favorite type of running is like sky racing, which is the, the vertical kilometer, they're high mountain passes, they're, you know, like, like hard rock, for example, um, any of the sky competitions in mm-hmm. Europe, you know, um, Zagama races like this that are just, they're epic to me. They, they feel a little bit like, you know, when the Tour de France is, you know, climbing the Hodacom or the Col de Obisque, you know, it's, People, thousands of people cheering and yelling, and these guys are just running up this massively crazy terrain at high altitude. That's the shoe I wanted to design for. And it's the same reason that we design our other products. We design for the most difficult and demanding conditions by the best athletes in the world. So we start with that pyramid strategy. And then we know that it's going to work for everybody else because we're building this stuff for the most extreme conditions. So through testing, through the design and the, the, the construction process, evaluating where to put seams or bar tacks or bonding, that sort of thing is all dependent on um, on how it's going to perform. Mm. And 
we just felt that that type of racing demanded a lot out of the, the equipment. Um, you know, we've all seen videos of Killian Jornet, you know, running along some narrow knife edge on a, on a high alpine mountain. And um, you, you, that's, no, that's when you don't want your shoes to fail, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, and so that's the, the type of um, uh, conditions that we designed for. What are the distinguishing features of this shoe? Like, you know, I look at other stuff on the market, like the Boa Fit system is all the rage right now. What did you build into this shoe that you think distinguishes it from the rest of the market? Or it's comparable, uh, or other comparable shoes. Um, well, off, initially, the most obvious is that it has no laces. Okay. Um, and it, to achieve a no lace setup, we started with a soccer shoe or boot last. It's a different last than a and then a lace up shoe. Um, the, the way it has to fit, the way the the, the construction of the last it, um, and, and is you know turned into a, a, a shoe is is a whole different process. Um, that's the most obvious. Um, the whole shoe is a TPU bonded ultra ultra light um, um, ripstop nylon. So you know your typical trail shoe, you'll see the bumpers around the toes, the heels. Maybe there's some other parts for reinforcement. That'll be like a TPU uh, bonded film um, if for protection. So if you think of our shoe, this thing is wrapped in a, t- a very light lightweight TPU uh, film over the entire shoe. So now you have a shoe that's very, very streamlined and, um, and sleek. So you've, you're minimizing the, uh, the ability for the shoe to, to catch on a twig or to be ripped by a rock, a sharp rock. I mean, we're seeing some photos of our shoes come back from, from people testing them in like sharp granite shale and, and, and ridge lines and things like that. And, and it's holding up. I mean, it's literally, you know, the midsole is looking kind of beat up because it's an exposed foam, but uh, the uppers are, are staying intact. And um, and it's also a necessary aspect to have the shoe perform as it needs to perform without having laces. You know, we don't have the option of stopping and tying up a loose shoelace and retightening your shoes. So the shoe has to feel like it's already tightened up to your, uh, your specifications when you first put on the shoe. Mm. It has to stay like that throughout your entire run. So those are the, the most obvious aspects to the shoe. You know, the things that you don't see are a, uh, you know, a trail specifically designed carbon f- fiber plate in the midsole. Um, we use an Evo, a Eva foam uh, midsole, uh, sort of a balance between durability and performance. Um, and then, of course, our, our partnership with Vibram um, in, in using their technology in our outsole. Well, Lindsay, this has been awesome. And I just have a few rapid fire questions for you before we go. They mix part running, part philosophy, part a little bit of everything. The first question, what is a recent book, movie, or podcast you've consumed that has left a big impression on you that you want to share with the audience? I was loving Peaky Blinders. (laughs) Pretty amazing show. Uh, Stylistically, musically, acting, uh, have nothing to do with running, but damn, it's a great looking and feeling and acted show. What is something that you used to believe strongly? And it could be within the running world. It could be outside of it, just in life in general. So something that you used to believe strongly that you have recently changed your mind about and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, why have I changed my mind? Let's see. I guess maybe as a designer, as growing up, I used to think all I had to do is dream 
and make things happen. I just recently told a couple little kids that came by our studio to play around and I, I wanted to show them the, this, the studio. They, and they were talking to me, oh yeah, I want to do this. I want to do that. I was like, dream, just please dream, right? Dream as big as you possibly can. And, and that's great. And I'm not going to tell them all about the hard work, but now what I can say is, man, that's only going to get you so far. It's the tiny, tiny part of it. The rest of it is sheer hard work, determination and grit. And that's something I didn't realize when I started out. Last question. If you could put a message on a billboard for all to see, what would it say and why? Um, it would pertain to our brand. I would say it's called Run Free. Our tagline is run.free. I just want everybody to get out there, run and enjoy the, the wherever they are, where, whatever that run is, wherever it is, whoever it's with just to run free. Don't think about gear. Don't think about anything else except that moment. You know, mm-hmm. it's getting back to being a kid and running through mud puddles. Like I said, it's been fantastic to have you on the pod. Talking business, talking the intersection of running and entrepreneurship is my first love. And it's great to share this time with you. I'll make sure to link to all of Naked's socials in the show notes. Is there anything that you want to leave the audience with before we go? Um. I, I think it just would be to, you know, in in our world to get out and just enjoy the outdoors. Um, let's do it with lots of love and compassion. Um, let's share it with people that don't look like us that run, run fast or, or, or whatever, you know, the outdoors is for everybody. And I think it's the one place that we can all get to and, and, and chill out and um, be welcoming and, you know, full of love and get back to our roots. I think that's one of the the key things that, especially that running gives us, you know, we can get out there and do that and let's do it with, with everybody. Great message, seriously. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, Finn. I think what you're doing is brilliant. And and thanks for giving us a chance to to talk about the business side. We're kind of in the background, you know, we're not out there winning races on the podium, but hopefully we can get people onto the podium. I appreciate your, your, uh, your, 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 your platform for this.